It says much about the degree to which Donald Trump has degraded, demeaned and corrupted standards of American public life that the following summary of events now seems unremarkable, verging on banal. But here goes. Earlier this week, a former president of the United States was arraigned in a New York City courthouse and charged with 34 felony criminal charges pertaining to the falsification of business records to occlude hush money payments made to a porn star. He pleaded not guilty and is due back in court, at least on this matter, on December 4th. A local failed district attorney charging a former president of the United States for the first time in history on a basis that every single pundit and legal analyst said, there is no case, there's no case. They kept saying, there's no case. As recently as seven years ago, this scenario would have seemed the stuff of feverish fantasy or leaden satire. It now just seems like just another grotesque indignity to toss upon the teetering heap of others amassed in the seven years since by a career buffoon whom nearly 63 million Americans nevertheless voted for in 2016 and whom just over 74 million Americans tried to re-elect four years later. But we are where we are. The question is where this might all be leading, especially as Donald Trump is, as of this broadcast, and despite everything, the presumptive Republican nominee for the US presidential election of 2024. Or is he? Ooh, I can't wait interesting. to see where this goes. Okay. Tell me more. Let's see where this goes. Well... First of all, until or unless a jury decides otherwise, Donald Trump is an innocent man, and therefore entirely at liberty to seek whatever office he pleases. Should he be convicted, many of his options for further selfless service to his nation evaporate, but not his preferred option. While some American states maintain laws against citizens with criminal records standing in elections or even voting in them, there is no such barrier to taking a tilt at federal office. The only grounds for disqualification, as laid out in the 14th Amendment to the US Constitution, are having engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the US, having previously sworn any kind of oath attendant upon taking public office. We're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. There may, yes, be an amount of amusement pending on that front, but we're not there yet. To cite one piquant example of this incongruity, Derek Evans, former Republican representative to West Virginia's House of Delegates, is probably ineligible to stand for his old seat again after doing 90 days for his participation in the Trumpist putsch at the US Capitol on January 6th, 2021. Evans has declared, however, that he intends to return to the Capitol as a congressman, representing West Virginia's 1st District. He can because he pleaded guilty to civil disorder, which isn't quite the same as insurrection or rebellion. 
So in theory, there is nothing stopping Donald Trump for running for president while under indictment, on trial or even in prison. Unlikely though that probably is on these charges at least. Indeed, there is a precedent. In the presidential election of 1920, Eugene Debs, the Socialist Party candidate, made his fifth and last bid for the White House from the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary, where he was doing 10 years for sedition, having urged resistance to the draft during World War I. Convict number 9653 won just over 900,000 votes, nearly 3.5% of those cast. However, while Eugene Debs, as he had amply demonstrated on four occasions prior to 1920, had precisely no chance of winning a presidential election, whether in jail or not, the possibility of Trump winning the Republican nomination or the presidency from the clink is very much higher than zero. Indeed, given that Trump's appeal is so firmly rooted in the lurid fantasies of persecution he inflames among his self-pitying cult, it is possible that conviction and imprisonment would actually improve his chances. This is a disgrace. It's the last desperate measures of a, of a dying radicalism that's trying to take over this country and they're not going to do it. We had a taste of that on Tuesday night when Trump returned from New York to Florida and made the most of the fact that the judge, though he had cautioned all concerned as to their language and behaviour, did not issue a gag order preventing Trump from speaking about the case. Trump elaborated on his familiar motifs of petulant whining and paranoid gibberish. I have a Trump-hating judge with a Trump-hating wife and family whose daughter worked for Kamala Harris and now receives money from the Biden-Harris campaign, and a lot of it. And there will be plenty more where that came from, from Trump and his cheerleaders. It is, after all, all they have. A subplot to watch for may well be Trump baiting the judge to instruct him to shut his yap on pain of being done for contempt, in an attempt to reposition the case from a defence of squalid book-cooking to a heroic crusade for free speech. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. However, as Trump, rather weirdly, but he'd had a long day, chose to remind everyone during his performance at Mar-a-Lago, the 34, count them, charges laid by the state of New York are not the only hooks he is presently on. In a separate case in New York, the state attorney general is steering a civil lawsuit accusing the Trump organization of ramping asset values to bilk lenders and insurers. And in the wings, they've got a local racist Democrat district attorney in Atlanta who is doing everything in her power to indict me over an absolutely perfect phone call, even more perfect than the one I made with the president of Ukraine. Remember, I kept saying that's a perfect call. This one was more perfect. In Fulton County, Georgia, the district attorney is considering charges of racketeering and conspiracy pertaining to Trump's efforts to lean on election officials as Georgia's Electoral College votes got away from him in 2020. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state and flipping the state 
is a great testament to our country. The U.S. Department of Justice has a special counsel contemplating his apparent purloining of classified documents from the White House. And back in New York, the trial begins this month of a lawsuit brought against Trump by E. Jane Carroll, a journalist who accuses Trump of sexual assault and subsequent defamation. Those are just the ones we know about. At any or all of the above or those still to come, Trump may struggle for character witnesses. At last count, Trump's campaign chair, deputy campaign chair, personal attorney, national security advisor, political advisor, principal strategist, foreign policy advisor, fundraiser, and chief financial officer are all convicted felons. It is maybe some consolation to Trump, if not to the rest of us, that even if he lost every single case, at least 50 million Americans would still vote for him. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.